All right. Well, we're continuing on in our study through the Gospel of John, and we are at John chapter 3. So if you are in a position where you can do so, go ahead and grab your Bibles and open them up there. Uh, last time we studied John chapter 2, verse uh, 23 through chapter 3, verse 8. So we'll be picking it up now in verse 9 of chapter 3. And we discussed last time what it means to be born again and how we are to live not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And in many ways today, the term born again has been cast aside in our present day society. But the fact of the matter is that Jesus said we must be born again to see the kingdom of God. No one gets to heaven any other way except through Jesus, and Jesus very emphatically told Nicodemus that we must be born again. But let's go ahead and move on in John chapter 3, and we'll pick it up in verse 9. And as we do, we're going to see Nicodemus continuing to question Jesus and having a hard time comprehending this whole born again thing. Now, remember, He's a religious man, schooled and trained in a certain way. He's a Pharisee, and a Pharisee was a man whose job it was to implement the law. The scribes interpreted the law, and the Pharisees implemented it. Nicodemus was also described in verse 1 as a ruler of the Jews, excuse me, which means that he sat on the elite 70-member Jewish Supreme Court known as the Sanhedrin. So he was very highly regarded. But Jesus is speaking something very contrary to all that Nicodemus has ever known. But Nicodemus really wants to know more. But he's having a hard time understanding all of this. And he says to Jesus there in verse 9, How can these things be? So Nicodemus is legitimately perplexed. He does not understand how one can be born again. And we can't put Nicodemus down for that. I've been there, done that. Many people are still there today. Okay, But Jesus goes on to answer him in verse 10 and says, Are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? You see, Jesus knows Nicodemus. He knows his status in Israel. He's not just a teacher. He is the teacher of Israel. And Jesus questions Nicodemus on how it is that he doesn't know these things. You see, every Old Testament scholar, as Nicodemus was, should have been familiar with the book of Ezekiel. And I'd like you to go ahead and turn there now. Uh, let's look at chapter 37 of Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel is located in the Old Testament, right, be, right between Lamentations and Daniel. So if you find Lamentations, it's to the right. If you find Daniel, it's to the left. So go ahead and uh, give you just a couple seconds to get there. And what's taking place here in chapter 37 of Ezekiel? is that the Lord is speaking to Ezekiel and telling him of all that he will do for the children of Israel 
And starting with verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. So Ezekiel was saying, I don't know, God, you're the one that knows. So God says to him in verse 4, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You see, when people have not been born again, they are spiritually lifeless. And they need to hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord God is telling Ezekiel to say there in verse 5, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. You see, this is just kind of an Old Testament picture that I'm using here. A picture of, of being born again. That which is dead coming to life as a result of the Word of God. Remember, we discussed last time that one is born again through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. And if we turn back to chapter 18 of Ezekiel, so stay right here in the book of Ezekiel for a minute and turn back to chapter 18. And uh, we'll start reading in verse 30. Okay, so Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 30. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel. Everyone according to his way, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Casting away from you all transgressions which you have committed, and get yourself a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. You see, God does not want to see anyone lost. The gospel came to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. But all people must turn from their sin and receive a new heart and a new spirit. We must be born again. Back in John chapter 3, Nicodemus was very religious, and Jesus marvels as to why Nicodemus did not know the Scriptures. As a teacher, Nicodemus must have taught at least the books of the Old Testament, right? So how could he have missed the prophetic, um, the, the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah? And, and what it means that, that you're going to have a, a new heart and a new spirit. But you know, it's not about religion. And it's not about church attendance. There is only one thing that is necessary, and that is that we are born again. So all the knowledge we may have of religion, like Nicodemus, all the knowledge we may have even of worldly wisdom, It all comes down to, have you been born again? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And back 
in John chapter 3. In verse 11, Jesus goes on to say to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem, and they are testifying to the religious leaders, but they wouldn't receive their witness. There was an authority conflict going on. And we'll see this authority conflict increase as we study through the book of John. But Jesus was giving them very plain, very earthly, if you will, examples, and they would not believe. So he knew that if he were to give them examples of heavenly things, they would still not believe. Man-made religion can be a tremendous spiritual blindfold. And it's tough to take that blindfold off when you have been raised your whole life wearing it. But the word of the Lord removes those blindfolds. If you've been born again, it is because of the word of the Lord. And that is why we need to study it in the manner that we are, just sitting down and going through it. And that is why you need to do it on your own. When people come to the word of God, And they begin to seek God through his word. Spiritual blinders begin to fall off and their eyes are open to things they never knew before. This is not the work of man. And it's not the work of religion. Only God's word can minister truth and liberty to our hearts. So Jesus decides to go ahead and continue teaching Nicodemus. And he goes on to say in verse 13, No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. In this very very verse, excuse me, Jesus is making his authority clear. He has come down from heaven, and he is the Son of Man. So in other words, he is God because he was in heaven, and he is man because he is on the earth in the flesh. And he then goes on to explain to Nicodemus what is going to happen to him as the Son of Man. And he says in verse 14, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So Jesus, again, as he speaks to Nicodemus, who is a uh, should be an expert, on these things, he uses an example of what we find in our Old Testament. And that story is found in Numbers chapter 11. So let's go ahead and and turn there. Numbers chapter uh, 21, actually. I'm sorry, I think I said 11. Numbers 21. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, then Numbers. So all the way back toward the front of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then you'll find Numbers, Numbers chapter 21. And we will start reading in verse 1. So Numbers 21, 1. Hopefully you're there. The king of Arad, the Canaanite, who dwelt in the south, heard that Israel was coming on the road to Atharim. 
Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. So Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord listened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. So the name of that place was called Hormah. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to, to go aground the land, excuse me, to go around the land of Eden. And soul of, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Hopefully you're reading this better than I am. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So God is here providing for their daily needs. And they are grumbling and complaining. And they're calling the manna worthless bread. That's amazing to me. But verse 6, So the Lord sent, a fi- sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So the people repented and desired to turn from their sin. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, When he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So Nicodemus, back in chapter 3 of John, should have been familiar with this story of sin. The nation of Israel had rebelled against God and had to be punished. God sent fiery serpents that bit and caused many to die. But not only is this story of sin, it is also a story of grace. Moses prayed on behalf of the people, and God provided a remedy. The remedy was to look at the bronze serpent on the pole. They could have tried to get rid of the serpents by killing them in one way or another, or they could have tried to come up with a political solution and pass the anti-serpent law. But the only answer was to look up at the bronze serpent that was lifted up on a pole. And the answer to the bite of sin today is to look to Jesus that hung on a cross. But how can I compare, how can we compare a serpent to Jesus? Aren't serpents a picture of evil? Do they not represent sin? Yes, they are. However, it was a bronze serpent and a And bronze is a a metal associated with judgment in the Bible. Because bronze is made by being passed through fire. So a bronze serpent speaks of evil being judged, sin being judged. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us on the cross, and our sin was judged by him. And it's also pretty cool that a serpent wrapped around a pole is even to this day, a symbol of healing and medicine. 
we see our ambulances, right? With that symbol on them. But these people were saved not by coming up with their own solutions or performing works. They were saved by simply looking to the bronze serpent. This may have seemed foolish to them, but it was the solution that brought the solution of sin for us. Solution to sin. And, you know, maybe some of them thought it was too foolish, and they refused to look at it. And, you know, Isaiah 45, 22 says, Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. You know, people might be willing to do hundreds of things to try and earn their salvation. But the only answer is to look by faith at the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And here in John chapter 3, Jesus has told Nicodemus that it was by believing in him he could have eternal life. And Jesus goes on to say in verses 16 through 18, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, when that serpent was lifted up, it brought physical life to those dying Jews. But when Jesus was lifted up on that cross, he gave eternal life to all that would believe in him all that would look unto him. And that is the simplicity of the gospel. No religion will get you into heaven. No rituals, no church attendance, no giving of money. Seeing the kingdom of God is the result of repenting, turning from your sin, and placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Being a well-respected religious person was not going to get Nicodemus to heaven. And Jesus goes on in his teaching of Nicodemus, and he tells him in verse 19, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Now, if you were here uh, If you listened, you you remember back when we studied uh, John chapter 1. We studied that Jesus is the light. You know, let's go ahead and and turn back there. We're pretty close, so let's just go ahead and turn back to chapter 1. And I know we just uh, looked at this not long back. um, But when it comes to the Word of God, repetition is a great thing. But let's look at, uh, start reading in verse 4. So John chapter 1, verse 4. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light 
but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So, we know that Jesus is the light. And it is only by coming to him and being born again of the Spirit that we can escape the darkness of this world and receive eternal life. But now let's turn back to chapter 3. And I'm just going to read verse 19 again. It says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. So Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus that the reason people don't come to the light is because they love darkness and their deeds are evil. You see, it's not the topic of evolution or a question of whether God can make a rock too big for him to lift. It's not a Republican thing or a Democrat thing. It's not governmental policies or the issue of abortion. Jesus said that the thing that keeps people from coming to him is the fact that they don't want to leave their sin behind. It's that simple. And the closer we get to the light, the more our sin is exposed. And Jesus says exactly that to Nicodemus there in verse 20. He says, For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. You see, We're told in Ephesians 5.11 to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. But those that refuse to look to Jesus will not repent because they love their sin and they don't want a spotlight on it. But if we've turned from our sin and have come to Jesus, then we are to be walking in the truth. And Jesus says there in verse 21, but he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. You know, when people come to the light, it is evident that God has done a work within their hearts. There is no wondering whether a person is truly saved. If they have come to the light, the work of God uh, has done uh, something in them that is clearly seen. And if we are naming the name of Jesus in our lives, then we should not be walking in the deeds of the flesh. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Let's look at what the Bible has to say about those that have been born again. Verse 9, 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
You see, this religious man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus and found out that he had been missing it all along. Do you remember when you came to Jesus? Was it a result of your holiness? No. Our salvation is a result of the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I came to Jesus as a 21-year-old man full of uh, the world, beat up by the world, allowing the world to destroy me in many ways, doing many different things that we don't need to talk about. <laughs> but just, just like anyone else, walking around thinking you have the answer, thinking you are the answer sometimes, but you're really distracted from the truth of the Bible, of course, because you're walking in the ways of the world and the flesh. But you know, no one is righteous without the blood of Jesus. It's all about what Jesus has done and nothing about how good we can be. And this man, Nicodemus, he became a follower of Jesus too. I believe he did. Turn to John chapter 19. In chapter 19, we were going to see that uh, this is where Jesus had died on the cross and they were making preparations to bury him. And then looking down at verse 39 of John chapter 19, it says, And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Isn't that cool? Nicodemus was there to care for the body of Jesus after he had been taken down from the cross. Something happened in the heart of Nicodemus. The blindfold of his religion came off and his heart was opened. He was born again and at this very moment is in the kingdom of God. It is a marvelous light that you come to when you come to Jesus. And I encourage you to search your hearts and make sure that the light that is in you reveals the work of God in your life. Examine yourselves. It should be very evident to all that come in contact with you that Christ is in you. Take uh, time this week to study your word. Open your Bibles. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll see you next time. God bless.